If you brought a Bible, I want you to go with me. We're going to go to several places this uh, afternoon, but we're going to begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 3 and 4, and also reading 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Vamos a empezar en nuestra Biblia esta, no, esta tarde, leyendo en Primera de Corintios, capítulo 10, verso 3 al 4, y luego vamos a ir a Primera de Samuel, capítulo 17, I believe the Lord has given me a simple message and one that is important for each of us as we consider the theme that we have before us, the theme of fight. Al considerar este tema que tenemos delante de nosotros, creo que el Señor tiene una palabra simple pero muy importante para cada una de nuestras vidas. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 3 and 4, we'll begin there. Primera de Corintios 10, 3 al 4, comenzando ahí. It reads, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And now, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 26, the words of David. Then David spoke to them, saying, to the men who were standing around, What will you do? What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your word. I pray you will anoint me to teach. And anoint us to receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, uh, this afternoon, I want to talk about the uh, spiritual man. Quiero hablar esta tarde sobre el hombre espiritual. And we're going to use David as our example. Vamos a usar a David como nuestro ejemplo. But there are some things out of the New Testament that I want us to look at and be uh, clear about before we get to David. First of all, I read to you out of 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 3 and 4. Hemos leído lo que dice el apóstol Pablo en primera de Corintios, capítulo 10, verso 3 y 4. Que aunque caminamos según la carne, no guerreamos según la carne. Porque la, la armadura nuestra no es carnal, sino espiritual. Paul mentions that although we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful. That means they're spiritual weapons, divinely powerful for the tearing down of strongholds. We know another very familiar verse that says something similar in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians 6 12 también dice algo semejante a eso. It says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, and against the world forces of darkness. Against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Dice ahí Efesios 6, 12, que nuestra, nuestra guerra o nuestra batalla no es contra sangre ni carne, sino contra las potestades del enemigo. Now what we notice in these two verses is that there are two worlds that you and I live in. Lo que notamos en estas dos estos dos pasajes es que hay dos mundos en el cual usted y yo vivimos. We live in the natural world. Vivimos en el, el mundo natural, el mundo físico. That's the world that we touch with our 
with our hands and smell with our noses and see with our eyes and taste with our mouth. Es ese mundo que tocamos con nuestra mano, que uh, podemos oler, oír, ver, aprobar. Uh, uh, Todo eso viene a través del de uh, el mundo natural. But there is another world that we are a part of. Hay otro mundo del cual usted y yo somos parte, and that is the spiritual world. Somos parte de un mundo espiritual. In fact, we generally give more attention to the natural world, but the Bible is quite clear that the natural world is going to pass away. There is, however, a place, uh, there is a, a reality in the fact that the spiritual world is eternal. El, el mundo espiritual es un mundo eterno. No tiene principio ni fin. Y aunque esta tierra y lo natural un día va a ser envuelto como una tienda y va a ser alzado, el mundo espiritual vivirá y existirá para siempre. And so the fight that we're talking about this weekend is not in the natural world. It has natural implications, but its origin is in the spiritual world. La, la batalla de la cual estamos hablando esta semana no es una batalla material o uh, terrenal, aunque tiene implicaciones y consecuen consecuencias naturales, es una batalla espiritual. And I believe that this is an important principle for every single believer, especially every man, because we are living in a day and an age where it has never been more necessary for men to be led by the Spirit of God than it is today. We are in desperate need for spiritual men. Estamos en una necesidad grave por el hombre espiritual. Now if you would just go right over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Si usted va conmigo a Primera de Corintios, el capítulo 2. We're going to read a little bit about what the Bible says on this topic. And I'm going to teach uh, mostly this afternoon. Voy a enseñar más que nada esta tarde because I want everyone here to learn these important truths from the Word of God. I think I could say that if, if a man learns uh, to walk by the Spirit, he's learned the most important value. Uh, most important lesson that he can learn in spiritual success. Si un hombre aprende a caminar por el Espíritu, él va a aprender la, la, a obtener la herramienta más grande de el, uh, necesaria para el éxito en la vida espiritual. So the Bible talks about three types of men. La Biblia habla de tres clases de hombres. And we're going to begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11, it says, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of God, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But, but we have the mind of Christ. Chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, 
but as men of flesh and as babes in Christ. I give you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are fleshly and are not walking and are walking like mere men. For one says, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, and another, uh, and you are mere men. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. All right now, Paul right there unloads a valuable treasure trove of truth. And I want us to unpack it together. Aquel apóstol Pablo nos da un tesoro de uh, cosas espirituales que queremos y tenemos que entender. So if you have a pen and you don't mind marking your Bible, I want you to mark three things. Uh, si usted tiene un, ahí un lápiz, una pluma y no le ofende escribir en su Biblia, vamos a marcar tres cosas. In verse 14, you'll see the words natural man. En el verso 14 está la palabra hombre natural. Do you see that? Do you see that? You can say amen. Underline natural man. This is the first man. I said there were three men. How many, three, how many men are there? There are three types of men in the Bible. Hay tres clases de hombres en el mundo y en la Biblia. El verso 14 nos habla del primero, el hombre natural. Now I want you to also go to uh, verse 1. And there in verse 1 underline spiritual men. Ahí en el verso 1 del capítulo 3, verse 1 of chapter 3. Uh, spiritual men, está la frase hombre espiritual, vamos a subrayar eso también there's now a second man we see there, that is the spiritual man, say spiritual man now if you go down a little bit more you see that Paul says in the same verse, verse 1, men of flesh so underline that, men of flesh or carnal man, ahora en el verso 1 del capítulo 3 está otra frase el hombre carnal Vamos a, a subrayar eso. Now you should have three marks there in your Bible. The natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. Let's say those together. The natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. Did you get all that? All right, let's unpack this. Because Paul tells us there are three types of men. There are three types of human beings. This is true in Paul's day. It's true today. It was true in the Old Testament. It's always been true since the fall. Hay tres clases de hombres de los cuales la Biblia habla y esto es verdad hoy como ha sido verdad desde la caída del hombre. The first type of man is a natural man. Who is the natural man? The natural man is that man who has not been born again. El hombre natural es aquel hombre que no ha nacido de nuevo. Now the natural man is the way you all, uh, all of us came into the world. Usted y yo entramos a esta tierra siendo el hombre natural. The natural man has no connection to God. El hombre natural no tiene conexión hacia Dios. He's completely separated from God. The Bible said we were dead in trespasses and in sin. Without hope and without God in the world. Dice la escritura que estábamos muertos en delito y pecado sin Dios en el mundo. So the natural man is completely separated from God. And the Bible tells us that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. El hombre natural, según la palabra del Señor, no entiende cosas espirituales. Listen, the natural man, 
hears about tithing, it doesn't make sense. The natural man hears about prayer, it doesn't make any sense. The natural man hears about studying the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. The natural man sees you raise your hands in church, it doesn't make any sense. Because he cannot receive or evaluate spiritual things. And this is why sometimes um, some of the ladies who are married to men who are not converted, they get frustrated because they take him to church, they drag him to church, he sits in church, he pretends like, uh, like he's a part of the church, but he's really not been born again. And he doesn't get spiritual things. And so you can't squeeze a natural man and make him uh, produce spiritual things. It's just not in him. El hombre natural no tiene la capacidad de ser un hombre espiritual. Él está separado de Dios. Y aunque usted lo ponga en una iglesia, aunque usted le enseñe cosas bíblicas, cuando usted lo apriete, lo que va a salir es lo natural. When you squeeze that man, what's coming out of him is the natural. Because that's all he knows. Now what does a natural man need to do? The natural man, the Bible says that he must be born again. La Biblia nos enseña que el hombre natural tiene que nacer de nuevo. Listen, the natural man operates by his appetite, his emotions, and his instinct. El hombre natural funciona, opera a través del apetito, la emoción y el instinto. Now let me just ask you a question. Have you ever made any decisions based on your appetite? We're going to be real honest, okay? Anybody made a decision based on your appetite? And it's not just an appetite for food, right? It could be an appetite for sex. It could be an appetite for money. It could be an appetite for, for, for fame. Whatever the appetite is, the natural man is governed by his appetite. He's also governed by his instincts. He doesn't make decisions based upon wisdom, but rather based upon what the moment calls for. El hombre natural se guía por su instinto, por su apetito y por sus emociones. Anybody ever made an emotional decision? ¿Cuántos han hecho una decisión emocional? I, I mean, you just got mad and you made a decision and the outcome was probably not a good one. Uh, well, you were operating in the only tools you had, which is the only tools Adam left us when he abandoned God. He left us in the natural state of mind. And the Bible says that the natural man must be born again. He needs to have a new birth experience. Listen, guys, if you have not been born again, the most important thing that you can get out of this retreat is to give your life to Jesus, to give your heart to Christ. I trust that everyone in here is born again. But if you have not made a commitment of your life to Christ, if you have not asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you have not invited him to live into, in your life and have the Holy Spirit come and dwell you uh, with that saving and converting experience, friend, the most important thing you need is the, birth, the new birth. Because if you die without it, you will go to an eternal hell separated from God. I didn't make that up, and I'm not saying that because I want to scare you. I'm just saying it because that's the reality of things, and you must be born again. So if you are born again, shout amen. amen. And if you're not born again, you couldn't shout amen. I want you to make up your mind today. I want Jesus in my life. And, and when you make that decision, something's going to happen in your life. When you invite Jesus into your life, something happens. Now we go to the second man. He's the spiritual man. Cuando usted hace la decisión de dar su vida a Jesús, usted es convertido, ahora usted 
es hecho o es convertido en un hombre espiritual. We use the word conversion. To convert means to change something from one thing to another. What exactly is being converted? When you come to Christ, you're being converted from a natural man to a spiritual man. Everyone say spiritual man. Now look at what the Bible says about the spiritual man. The spiritual man now has been born again and he has a connect God. El hombre espiritual ahora tiene una conexión vital con Dios. He talks to God and God talks to him. Say amen somebody. El hombre espiritual habla con Dios y Dios habla con él. Is there anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about? The spiritual man, the Bible says, that he understands the deep things of God. El hombre espiritual entiende las cosas profundas de Dios. Now here's how it works. When you're a spiritual man, usually the, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to shout. Sometimes a spiritual man will just hear the pastor say, open your Bible to the book of John, and already he feels a conviction. Because he knows that God's talking to him. Because that day he was just in the Gospel of John and he was just reading the exact text that the pastor is reading and he knows, okay, this is God who's talking to me. Say amen, somebody. That's the spiritual man. You know, the Bible says that the Lord will lead us with his eyes. You know what that means? I've seen how sometimes a couple will be at a house as guests and then the wife decides she wants to leave and all she does is look at her husband. And he stands up and says, it's time to go. Or we're going to say goodbye. I think, wow, it's like magic. How does she do that? She's leading with her eyes. God says, I'm going to lead the spiritual man with my eyes. Dios dice, yo voy a guiar al hombre espiritual con mis ojos. But then the next part of the verse in Psalms, it says, so don't be like the mule that must be pushed. Then, dice, luego dice el texto, no sea como el caballo que tiene que ser movido. You see, there's going to be some people that only get into heaven because they have to be pushed in. But the spiritual man knows what God wants and he does it. He has a sensitivity to the voice of God. El hombre espiritual tiene una sencillez a la voz de Dios. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't have to shout at him because he is already determined that he's going to do the work of God. The Bible said the natural man is taught by the Holy Spirit. El hombre espiritual es enseñado por el Espíritu Santo. The, whole, the, natural, the spiritual man, I should say, has the mind of Christ. El hombre espiritual tiene la mente de Cristo. So let me just ask you a question. Is there anybody in here that is a spiritual man? Then the Bible says this. Jesus said, my father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen, the natural man can raise his hand. That doesn't mean he's worshiping. The natural man can sing amazing grace. That doesn't mean he's worshiping. Because it's not the natural man that has communion with God. It's the spiritual man. That has communion with God. 
It's the inner man, the inner person of the heart that has communion with God. That's why God is not concerned with outward dis displays. He wants to know what's in the heart. Por eso Dios no está interesado en lo externo. Porque lo externo puede levantar las manos y no está verdaderamente adorando. Puede cantar, pero no está adorando. Pero el hombre espiritual es el que tiene comunión con Dios. And listen, when your spiritual man is communion with, communing with God, your natural man can come to church tired, frustrated, angry, mad at the world, and say, I'm not going to sing today. But the moment the spiritual man takes over and says, we are to worship the Lord that old rascal will raise his hands and lift his voice come on somebody because the spiritual man has more power and more authority than the natural man el hombre espiritual tiene más poder que el hombre natural tell your neighbor get in the spirit when I I grew up in a pastor's home my dad was a pastor but really he was more like a Spiritual drill sergeant. And if he was conducting a service and he felt like you were hindering the mood of the spirit, whether you were playing an instrument or singing or interpreting, I was his translator, he would turn around and say, get in the spirit. And it wasn't nice about it either. It was just like that. Get in the spirit. You got in the spirit real quick. He started speaking in tongues, whatever it took. But I got to get in the spirit. You see, you have that kind of authority to tell your spiritual, to, for your spiritual man to tell your natural man, get in the spirit. Because look, next week you're going to go and face a situation. You're going to have an appointment. You're going to have a meeting. You're going to have a decision to make. Somebody's going somebody's to frustrate you. Somebody's going to lie about you. Somebody's going to cheat you. And you're going to want to go and answer in the natural. But you're going to have to tell the natural man, get in the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to talk. The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to lead in this fight. Say amen, somebody. All right, now there's a third man. Who's the third man? All right, you got it. The carnal man. The natural man needs to be born again. The spiritual man has been born again. But the carnal man has been born again, but is walking by the flesh. El hombre carnal es el tercer hombre. El natural necesita ser nacido de nuevo. El espiritual ha nacido de nuevo, pero el carnal... Es un hombre espiritual caminando en la carne. And this is why this is such an important teaching. Because there are a lot of carnal men in the church. Now, don't take that as a, as a judgment. Because really the fact is we are all natural and spiritual. When you got saved, your natural man did not go away. The natural man has an appetite. Guess what? You got saved, you get out of church, you still have an appetite. The natural man has relationships. Guess what? He got saved, he still has those relationships. The problem is, when the spiritual man starts operating in the natural, he becomes carnal. Cuando el hombre nacido de nuevo comienza a operar en lo, en lo físico, en lo material, comienza a operar en lo carnal. And this is what, what Paul says about the carnal man. It's right there in your text. It says he is an infant in Christ. Dice que el hombre carnal es un niño en Cristo. That means he has not grown up. He's got a mustache with milk on it. 
Tiene bigote con leche. He's a baby that only drinks milk. Solo le gusta o puede pasar, no que le guste, pero solo puede pasar la leche. La carne no la puede pasar. He can't swallow meat. He can only swallow milk. So as long as the pastor is talking about God wants to bless you, God wants to increase you, God wants to raise you up, God wants to use you, he's on board, he's on the train, go pastor. But the moment the, the man of God starts talking about putting away sin, getting rid of pornography, paying your tithes, being to church on time, serving voluntarily, now he starts choking on the meat. And we got to come behind and burp him. <laughs> He's an infant in Christ. These are the characteristics of the, of the, natural, of the carnal man. He's jealous. Este hombre es hombre celoso. I know there aren't any jealous men in here. Que bueno que aquí no hay hombres celosos. How come the pastor called him to raise the offering? I've been here longer than he has. Now, y'all don't want to hear this sermon. He's only been here one year, and he's already got to preach twice. I've been here five years, and I haven't said nothing. You see, because the natural man and the carnal man thinks that promotion in the house of God comes over time like it does at work. That it comes by natural law. If you do this for a certain amount of time, that you can get to a certain place. Listen, guys. God does not promote by time. God promotes by maturity. He, he promotes by the Spirit. El hombre carnal quiere y dice, yo he estado aquí cinco años y no me han dado ni, ni siquiera una palabra. Y ese que apenas llegó hace un año ya está predicando. Y eso porque piensa que en lo espiritual se vale el tiempo y la, la categoría de trabajo, hermano. Dios juzga por la madurez. Because you can be in church 20 years, but if you haven't grown up, if you don't have 20 years of spiritual maturity, you're a carnal man. Then the Bible said that the carnal man strives. El hombre carnal pelea. You know those people that like to pick? I don't know if it's true, but this is what I heard. Le gusta rascar acá y acá. He picks fights. And here's the problem. The Bible said, we just read it, our, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. Because the carnal man thinks, if I could just take so-and-so down, I could get mine. But the fact is that so-and-so is not your problem. You're your problem. Come on, somebody. Our, our biggest enemy is in me. We're the biggest problem because look, if you just get into the spirit, God will promote you and take you places you never dreamed of, never asked for, and you'll be saying, Pastor, can I take a break? Instead of always saying, put me in, coach, put me in, coach, and coach ain't putting you in because you don't show up to prayer meeting, you don't worship God, you're not faithful, and you're drinking milk. And God says, I want my men to be spiritual men. 
Are we getting this? All right. Now, I told you I didn't want you to hear this as condemning because all of us have to decide whether we're going to be the natural man or the spiritual man. Whether we're going to be the carnal man or the spiritual man. Let me ask you an honest question. Have you ever made a carnal decision? It's not an altar call. I'm just asking a question. Have you ever made a carnal decision? Did it pay off? No, never. You know, the Bible tells us about a man named Jacob. I'm going to get to David in a minute, but let me mention Jacob. Because the Bible uses Jacob as an example of the natural, uh, the, the carnal and spiritual man. Jacob, sometimes the book of Genesis calls him Jacob, and in other times it calls him Israel. Jacob was his carnal name. Israel was his spiritual name. So when he was walking in the flesh, God called him Jacob. But when he was walking in the spirit, God called him Israel. His carnal name meant trickster. It was somebody that was jealous and striving and always reaching for something else. But his spiritual man meant prince with God. And there's a very important value there. The carnal man never feels like he got enough because he doesn't know who he is. But the spiritual man knows I'm a child of God. And if my brother has something that I don't have, it's all right. We have the same dad. If his dad gave it to him, his, my dad can give it to me. I'm a prince with God. I know where I am. I know my place when I'm walking in the spirit. Cuando el hombre carnal ve las cosas, él se siente como Jacob, que siempre tiene que tener que alcanzar por algo más. Pero Israel era aquel hombre que era un príncipe con Dios. Ya sabía cuál era su identidad. Now there's this beautiful text in the book of Genesis chapter 48 where uh, the Bible said that they brought Jacob some news. Now, you can go there and read it later, but basically I'm going to summarize for you. This is what the text says, that they brought Jacob some news and Israel stood up. Now, think about that. They brought Jacob the news, but Israel stood up. They brought the carnal man the news, but the spiritual man stood up. Listen, every time you face some conflict in your life, you're going to have to decide which one of us is going to stand up. Which one of us is going to get in the fight? Is it going to be the natural man or is it going to be the spiritual man? Is Jacob going to get up? Because if Jacob gets up, this thing's going down quick. It's going to blow up in my face. But if Israel stands up, then this thing's going to go toward victory. And I'm going to see God manifest his glory in my life. So you, listen, guys, we're in a fight. The, the, the fight we're in is a spiritual fight, and it requires spiritual men. We're in a spiritual fight for the life of the church. We're in a spiritual fight for the life of our nation. You're in a spiritual life for the life of your marriage and the life of your children. You have to make up your mind this week. I'm going to get in the fight, but it's going to be my spiritual man that gets in this fight because I have weapons in the spirit that the natural does not know about. I have weapons in my spirit that the natural cannot engage. In, that the natural cannot use. Now, if you would, look at David with me. Because David is a good example of what I'm teaching right now. David shows up on the battlefield in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Ahora veamos a David. David llega a la, a la, al campo de batalla. 
en Primero uh, Samuel 17 Cuando él llega al campo de batalla Goliat está amenazando a Israel Now you guys all know this story Right? Right? Creo que todos conocen esta historia If you don't, I'll just summarize it David comes up to the battlefield And there is a giant Named Goliath He is threatening the people of Israel And the king And the, the army are shaking in their boots. Of all the thousands that were there, there was not one spiritual man. David llega al campo de batalla. Está el ejército y está Saúl, el rey, temblando de, de miedo. Entre todos los miles no había ni un hombre espiritual. Now, this entire story changes when one spiritual man shows up. So you don't actually need everybody. You just need somebody. All we need is for one spiritual man to go and decide this is going to change. David walks up on this situation. David llega en esta situación y él ha decidido que él va a caminar según la unción que Dios ha puesto en él. He's walking under the anointing that God has placed upon him. And because he is a spiritual man, he responds spiritually to the situation. Porque él es un hombre espiritual, él responde espiritualmente a la situación. Now listen guys, there's a big difference between reaction and response. The natural man reacts. The spiritual man says, wait a minute, let's talk. That's a response. David comes into this situation and he re we read in verse 26. Go to there, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. It says there, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? First of all, I want you to notice that the spiritual man has spiritual vision. Primero notamos que el hombre espiritual tiene una visión espiritual. Listen, David did not ask how big is the giant. He did not ask How big is his sword? How big is his spear? What are the specs? Tell me about him. What does David ask? He says, what is going to be the reward for killing him? That's the way a spiritual man looks at life. He sees a problem and he goes right from the problem to what does God have in mind for me when I confront this thing? Listen, guys, you and I often, we can get into the carnal side of things by just looking at the problem and, and forgetting the God who sent us into the battlefield in the first place. How big is the problem? How much is it going to cost? How, many, how much manpower is it going to take? How long is it going to take? All of those things are important, and you have to ask them in the natural. But the spiritual man has to take over at some point and say, you know what? God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask 
or even imagine. He goes straight for the question, what is the reward? Uh, you see, he's operating in a new vision. Now, I want you to understand what David sees. David sees and he says, this is an uncircumcised Philistine. Now, that word is not insignificant because this is what David is telling us. He's telling us, here's what I see in the spirit. That giant is not circumcised. That means he is not in covenant with God. See, everybody's looking at his sword. Everybody's looking at his spear. Everyone's looking at how tall he is. Everyone's looking at his armor. David looks right at the issue. He says he's not in covenant with God. And then David looks at himself and he says, I am in covenant with God. Come on, somebody. Because the, faith, the enemies you're facing right now are not in covenant with God. And you can shake uh, and you can quiver or you can decide, you know what? If I'm in covenant with God, that means I have a special relationship with God. My God is a promise keeper. My God is a way maker. I don't know who their God is, but he is not in league with my God. And he puts his trust in the Lord. Come on, somebody. If, you're in, if you are a spiritual man, you are in covenant with God. That means that God will keep his word to you. Is there anybody in here that's in covenant with God? Listen, if you're in covenant with God and you know you're in covenant with God, then you walk into any situation, you already have the advantage. Si usted está en un pacto con Dios y el enemigo no, usted ya tiene la ventaja. Say that today, I have a covenant with God. Now, if you're not born again, you're on your own, buddy. Get, in, get born again. Because when you get born again, here's the covenant God made. When you come to Jesus and you say, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. I'm sorry for the man I was. The Bible said that the blood of Jesus washes away all of your sin. He washes away your past, your present. Come on, somebody. He covers your future. And now you are in covenant with God. It is a covenant of blood. It is a covenant made at the cross. And this covenant is power over hell and over disease and over devils come on somebody I'm talking about the blood of Jesus say it again I'm in covenant with God and even when death comes to take you you don't even have to fear death because you're in covenant with God the spiritual man looks at this and he sees I have a relationship with God he doesn't God's going to hear me because I know who I am. I'm a child of God. Now the next thing we notice about the spiritual man is that the spiritual man is a man of faith. David goes right to the reward. The Bible says that faith pleases God. El hombre espiritual es un hombre de fe. David va derecho al, al, al galardón. ¿Qué va a ser mi galardón cuando yo gane esta batalla? The Bible says this, I quoted it last night, but I want to quote it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Listen, your mouth will always say what you believe. So if, you, if you're saying, I'm going to die, if you're saying, I'm going to fail, 
If you're saying I'm going to end up in divorce, you, that's what you believe. You've got to change what you believe. The spiritual man speaks the, the word of God. The spiritual man says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The spiritual man says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. The spiritual man says, though a thousand come against me, though the Lord will not leave me. Come on, somebody. The spiritual man puts in his mouth what he believes. And Paul says, I believe, therefore I spoke. Why? Because I have a spirit of faith. You want to know if you're walking by the flesh? Check your faith tank. If the needle is on empty, you're in the flesh. You don't, take, you don't even have to stop at a gas station. All you have to do is get in the spirit. You don't even have to move the place you're standing. Just get in the spirit. Just flip that switch on the inside and, and get in the spirit. And immediately the E, e, e starts going up. Because the Holy Spirit inside of you is the spirit of faith. That means that if you have run out of faith, the Holy Spirit in you will make up for the faith you ran out of. You're not hearing me today. You see, we've been taught like this, that faith is like a glass of water. And you've got to get across the football field. And if you can get across the football field without dropping a single drop of your faith, then you will get your miracle. So there we are, trying not to spill one drop of water. But see, here's how I really think it is. God says, if you can get across the finish line with, that, with just a drop of water left, then I will do what you need done in your life. But guess what? It gets even better than that. Because if you get across the football field and there's nothing left in the glass, you just get in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit will produce faith in your life so that you can believe God and watch God do miracles in your life. Come on, are there any men in here that have a spirit of faith? Somebody say, I have a spirit of faith. That's why your pastor says crazy things. Number three, the spiritual man submits to authority. El hombre espiritual se sujeta a la autoridad. Look at David. In the previous two chapters, he was anointed king of Israel. So David could have walked up on the scene with his head up, and Saul, you don't know this yet, but I'm anointed. But he doesn't do that. His whole life, David learned that the spiritual man submits to authority. He takes the place of submission. Now listen, guys, if you have a problem with submission, that's the flesh. Every time. And if you have a problem with submission, just study the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, equal in power, authority, equal in dignity. And yet Jesus assumed a role of submission. And he said, I won't say anything unless my Father says it. And I won't go anywhere unless my Father sends me. You see, the spiritual man operates just like Jesus does. David goes to Saul and he says to Saul, don't let your heart be troubled. I will take this Philistine out. And Saul says, no. 
Now, what do you do when the leadership says no? I just go to another church, preacher. Or I'll go start my church. There's a lot of churches in garages today. Because when the pastor said no, they said, nobody's going to tell me no. I know what God told me. I know what God said. I know what the Lord showed me. Maybe he did speak to you. Maybe he did show you. But until he shows the leader, sit down. Wait on God. This is, this is a message that men in particular need to hear because you and I have been called by God to lead. But no one will follow you if you don't follow. First of all, you've got to be submitted to God. Submitted to the word of God. And then you say, well, yeah, I, I'm submitted to God. But God has delegated his authority to men. He's given authority to pastors and apostles and, and uh, prophets and teachers in our world. And so David understands that Saul is the king. David will be king. David will be a better king. David has a greater anointing. Listen, when God anointed Saul, it was a vial. When God anointed David, it was a horn. That's the little bottle of oil you carry in your pocket. That's what Saul got. When, when David got anointed, he had two gallons worth of anointing oil on his head. And yet he comes and Saul says no. So what does he do? He respectfully begins to bring his case before Saul. And he says, look, king, I know that I don't look old enough. And I know that this probably isn't going to work uh, in your sight. But I have fought lions and bears. And this guy is not a lion. He's not a bear. He's much bigger. But if God helped me with the lion and the bear, God will help me with this guy. See, I'm, I'm going to help you solve a lot of problems right now, guys. If you'll just go talk to your pastor instead of talk about him, you might get some things done. Nobody wants to hear this. I say you might get some things done. So Saul goes from no to go. Now, a few weeks ago, I was in Israel on a tour of the Holy Land. We went to En Gedi. And Gedi was the place of the cave where the Bible said that, that David and his men were hiding deep in the cave. And King Saul came by and he decided he needed to use the restroom. So he went into the cave to relieve himself. And while he was in there, David had the opportunity to fall upon him and destroy the king of Israel. And he didn't take that opportunity because he understood this is the Lord's anointed. I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. And this is what he understood. I'm a spiritual man. If I get in the flesh, if I get in the carnal, I'm going to destroy God's purpose for me and God's purpose for Israel. Can I just tell you today that God honors submission. He says he looks far away at the proud, but those who humble him themselves, he comes near unto them. Why? Because God loves a man who knows how to fall under the authority. Listen, demons won't listen to you if you won't submit. The spiritual man understands submission. One more. The spiritual man has a fresh approach. Actually, two more. This is second to last. The spiritual man has a fresh 
approach. How many of you could use a fresh approach? That's about 20% of you. I'm guessing the others have not figured out yet that you need a fresh approach. I'm going to give you some time. But you see, many, many times we go to battle with last week's weapons. Last year's strategies. Last decade's tactics. You can't go to battle with a bayonet when, you're, when your enemy has cannons. And you can't go to battle with cannons when your enemy has missiles. And you can't go to battle with missiles when your enemy has air support. Listen, guys, the only one who can update our strategy for the fight we're in is the Holy Spirit. The spiritual man gets fresh instructions from God. And so he doesn't lean on his experience. Listen, experience is vital. It's important. But if you depend on your experience, you're not depending on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a river, the Bible says. His, his flow, there's a current, there's a movement. And what was done 50 years ago, he's not doing today. And we have to be willing to say, God, give me a fresh approach. Uh, Pastor DeLeon mentioned this last night, and I want to mention it again. A hundred churches close in America every week. A hundred churches close every week in America. That's, that is an astounding figure. Why are they closing? Why are they shutting their doors? Because they didn't have a fresh approach. They didn't have a flow of the spirit. They, didn't, they just got stuck in their, in their traditions, in the mundane, in the way they used to do things, in the things they liked, in their own preferences. And before long, God himself vacated the building because he wasn't Lord anymore. Listen, guys, if we become Lord of the church, God doesn't have any place in that. He wants you to be spiritual men so that we always recognize that it's Jesus that's Lord of the church. And if he wants to do something new, by all means, Holy Spirit, have your way. Breathe in here a new breath of life. Come on, somebody. We need a, a fresh breath of the Spirit of God. This is what David told Saul. He said, when I faced the lion and the bear, I attacked the lion. I grabbed him by the beard. That's a bad man right there. He grabbed the lion by the beard and beat him down. But you don't see him trying to grab Goliath's beard. What if David had tried to grab Goliath's beard? It would have become a laughing stock to Israel. And I hate to say it, but there are many times in the church we look like a laughing stock to the world because we're grabbing with old strategies. We have to face today's devil with today's Holy Spirit. We've got to get a fresh move of God. We've got to get a fresh perspective. Come on, somebody. We need a fresh approach. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and tell us, look, that's how I did it yesterday, but I'm not doing it that way today. Listen, God moved. 
from Mount Sinai to the tabernacle of Moses, from the tabernacle of Moses to the tabernacle of David, from the tabernacle of, Mo of David to the temple, from the temple to Jesus, from Jesus to your heart. God is a God on the move. Come on, we got to get on the move with God. I don't want to be stuck at Mount Sinai. I want to go to Mount Zion. I want to see what God is doing today. So he goes into this fight. He doesn't try to grab Goliath's beard. He takes a sling and a stone. This is new technology. This is a new strategy. And he goes to battle. Now, everyone in the natural is looking at that and saying, this ain't going to work. I don't know why pastor's doing this. This is not going to work. I don't know why the men's leader's doing this. This isn't going to work. But when you're led by the Spirit, you don't listen to the chatter. Because you know the voice of God. Maybe, maybe some of you need a new approach because the, the way you've been trying to solve problems at home is the old way. And it used to work. You used to be able to yell at those kids and they would do what you said. But now you need a new approach. You used to be able to use your money a certain way, but now it's not getting where you need it to go. You need a new approach. You used to be able to draw 20, 30, 50 men to church for a special event, but now you can't draw five. You need a new approach. I'm not trying to tell, to tell anybody that what you're doing is wrong or that God didn't call you. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you'll get in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you a new direction. He will give you a fresh approach, a fresh perspective. You see, some of you are trying to love people with yesterday's love. You need a new love. You need a new compassion. You need a new mercy. Come on, you've been, you've been preaching the same tired sermon for the last 10 years. Come on, God wants to give you a new word, a fresh revelation, a new insight, something that goes like an arrow to the heart of those people that God has put in front of you. You've got to be willing to say, Holy Spirit, I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to walk by the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. This is the last one. The spiritual man wins the victory. The spiritual man wins the victory. David went into that battle, but he already knew from the beginning, what was going to happen? He told Goliath, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to cut your head off today. How did he know that? He wasn't operating in the natural. He wasn't looking with the natural. He was looking with the spirit. Can I ask you, do you see anything in your spirit? Can you see what God is doing in the spiritual life? of your family, of your church, of your men's group. Is there anybody in here that when you just sit, in, when you lay in your bed at night, you just see what God is going to do? And when you look at it in the natural, it doesn't look possible. It doesn't look even remotely possible. But in your spirit, you know this is going to happen. This is going to take place. Come on, guys. That's not you. That's not your ambition. That's the spirit of God prophesying through you what God intends to do. And God says to you today, I will give you the spirit if you will walk by the, the spirit. I will give you the victory. I will give you success. I will give you power. I will give you the things that you're waiting for and hoping for and trusting for. 
If there's a natural man in here today, I want to ask you, give your life to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus today. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You say, Pastor, but, but you don't know where I've been. I've done so much wrong. I've failed. I've sinned against God. Today, God says, I've dealt with all of that at the cross. All I want is your heart. Give me your heart. I'll take care of your mess. I'll take care of your addictions. I'll wipe you clean. I'll give you a fresh start. Just give Jesus your heart today. Is there anybody in here that says, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just stand up if you want to give your life to Christ? you haven't done so, you want to give your life to Jesus, stand up. You say, I want to give my life to Christ. The natural man doesn't have to be a natural man anymore. Here's what I want you to do. Just lift your hands right where you are. Just lift your hands. If you stood up with me, just lift your hands and say this. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I have broken your law. I deserve judgment. But this afternoon, I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And give me a new start. Today I confess that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he rose from the dead. To give me eternal life. I receive that gift. By faith. In Jesus name.